the the 2000s for my generation the early 2000s are kind of like the 80s for my parents like that sense of a golden era of a nostalgia about like a a time hey streamers and dreamers this is Otto Kent and you're listening to the week by Telecom Electronic Beats today we have a special episode for you If you followed Electronic Beats for a while, you probably know this feed for in-depth interviews. Our mission with the week is somewhat different. We want to give you an overview on what's new and great every week in a pretty condensed way. But we also love a nice long chat. So whenever you see the word conversation in the episode title, you will get an extensive interview with a DJ, a music maker, or some other visionary who we believe drives the culture forward. So for this Electronic Beats conversation, my colleague Marcus Boxler sat down with one of the most exciting new artists that house music has seen in recent years. It's Mochak. If you're not familiar with Mochak, let me give you the rundown. Mochak is in his early 20s, he's from Brazil, and growing up he was heavily influenced by skateboard and hip-hop culture. He was even a breakdancer before starting his musical career. So he tried his hand at making hip-hop, but then he eventually transitioned to DJing and producing electronic music. Today, he draws on a range of influences, including classic rock, Brazilian funk, jazz, and soul. But if you've seen one of his TikToks, you know that it's his charisma and stage presence behind the decks that turned him into a viral sensation. In this Electronic Beats conversation, Marcus and Mochak talk about his interest in fashion, his Brazilian heritage, and the impact TikTok has made on his music making. So let's get into it. Uh, we have a lot ahead of us today. There's some topics that I wanted to touch with you, like fashion, international influence, culture, social media, masculinity, and of course, of course, your music. Um, and I think I would like to start with the fashion part. So mm -hmm. first of all, um, you yourself, how would you describe your visual style in terms of fashion? Wow. Um, I think it's... It's just like a big messy mix. Like I don't even understand it sometimes. Like it's it's a, a lot from from skate culture, like from from skateboarding, like fashions, taste, or whatever should we say? A lot of like like rock influence from when I was a child. Also like surf rock bands and stuff that's already like. That's already related to skateboarding in, in some sort of way, but it's a, it's like a big mix. Like everything that I that I think appealed to me visually growing up had like a little bit of a of an influence. Whether it it, it would be like an '80s music video of like Billy Idol that I would watch with my mom, and he would wear like crazy like punk stuff and <laughs> punk stuff like afterwards you, you really get to see what, what's the real punk stuff where in, in, in wearing but yeah like everything that appealed to me visually like created like a an impact had an influence like I just loved stuff that stood out and was a little bit you know Do, do you take a lot of influence from visual culture, like arts or design or something uh, that's yeah. influencing you? you know, like it's not something that I'm really familiar with, like theory and all the movements behind and all the schools and everything. But it definitely, like, even recently I was watching a lot of YouTube videos about typography, studying typography and stuff like that. And just the overall, like, the nuances and in, in, in what goes into designing a typeface and stuff like that really gave me like a lot of, a lot of insight visually. And even, even with fashion, yeah. I think it, everything, everything is, is an influence. <laughs> Absolutely. I have one of my favorite documentaries is about Helvetica, the font Helvetica. Oh yes. Do you, do you know it already? Or do you, do you just, the yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. mentioned in, in, in one of the videos that I was, that I was watching. Also. Nice. Yeah, I love it. It's everywhere. I'm obsessed with Comic Sans. <laughs> it's like the most, the most ironic one, and happened. the iconic, and iconic, the, also. the most iconic, also. Yeah, <laughs> Comic Sans really, really I, got I, a vibe. I keep like fishing for Comic Sans in in cities where I go. Like, if, if I see a Comic Sans something written like in a in a 
in a business or something, I I tell the guys, like the crew guys that roll with me, yo, yo, spotted. First Comic Sans of the trip. Let's see how many we can find out here. <laughs> what was the weirdest place where you spotted the Comic Sans? Do you remember? Oh, there, there's been a, a few weird ones. Um, I, I've, I saw like a... A lawyer uh, firm once where, where like really? the lawyers' names were w written Comic Sans just felt like super weird because it doesn't make doesn't make much sense. It's not a serious fight, but it's yeah. Not. But I saw some weirder examples online, like tombstones and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a recent one. I think <laughs> that had to be a recent one. Okay, mm -hmm. nice. And would you be, by the way, would you be okay with me observing your style as somewhere between a 90s skater and 2000s streetwear? Because that's the vibe totally. I get of it. <laughs> totally. The, those are probably like the two biggest, biggest fonts of, not fonts, like <laughs> the biggest like searches of, of, of reference for me fashion wise. Like I grew up, in 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 the early 2000s and stuff that's when i saw most of the artists that would become my my references musically and everything that's when i i had my like growing up in my teen years so everything everything kind of like relates to that era like the early mtv you know like how how all the aesthetics were shaped like from the way they filmed stuff, the cameras they were using, the fashions, like and 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 everything. Like I think the the two thousands for my generation, the early two thousands are kind of like the eighties for my parents. Mm -hmm. Like that sense of a golden era of, you know, like of everything that was, you know, a nostalgia about like a a time that synthesizes everything, like in common with the generation and everything. And I think uh, skateboarding in, in, in the early 2000s are, are, are probably the definition. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to watch. I mean, I think we're somewhat the same age, um, but it's interesting to watch that right now, like this 2000 style Y2K is having a renaissance already. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like coming back already. It's already becoming somewhat iconic. Totally. Uh, the baggy the jeans are here again and everything. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you say that someone or something, maybe like something concrete, like a person, for example, or a movement, maybe a band, even like you mentioned um, Billy Isle already, had someone the most influence on you? Look-wise, but maybe also music-wise, because you all, you've already mentioned music. As it is a mix, I think it's hard to like pin, pinpoint one person specifically. To try to be specific, I would put like when I when I got into new metal, like the genre, I, I really got into like the the kind of overall look of everybody. It was like a period of my life where I wouldn't cut my hair like regardless of anything and and like i think uh, the mix between the more hip hop style of skateboarding cuz i've always perceived skateboarding fashion as like two main two main like schools and then there's a lot of a lot of stuff in between and a lot of correlation but i would see it as like the punks and the gangsters like <laughs> and, and, and and those were like the main fashion movements going on and i was like more towards the hip-hop side of, of mm -hmm. dressing okay. like when it came to, to skateboarding like because like the punk skaters were were using like the skinny jeans and like the distressed denim and everything like like uh everything in that in that direction and it didn't fit me really well, I think, because I was too short. I was kind mm -hmm. of like I had like these skinny legs and skinny arms and like a, like a larger <laughs> a larger portion of the middle body. So it was it just it just fit me weird, like the the skinny clothing and like the the overall oversized everything just looked better and felt better. So I, I went more into that side of things. I think like since since a young age. 
I, so I, I think like maybe new metal that era <laughs> where where it was like the big thing yeah. and like the more hip hop side of of skate culture probably. I can feel you so much. Totally relate. Um, wearing oversized uh, <laughs> clothes all my life <laughs> yeah. to right now. I'm having baggy pants on right now. Um, what is it what you look for or what you look into when you choose new clothing right now? Is there something like a specific feature, for example, that it's comfortable or I think the, the way it fits, like the cut and the way it looks in my body, Like I, I saw a lot of, I, I, I loved a, a bunch of stuff that I didn't buy because it didn't fit me well. Mm -hmm. Like I, I see a t-shirt or something or like a, a pair of pants or, or something. It looks amazing. I love the colors. I love the fabric. I love like the overall, everything of, about it. But when I put it on, if it doesn't fit me well, if it doesn't like hug my body the way it's supposed to like not like comfort wise but look wise if it looks kind of funny like if it makes my shoulders look weird or if it makes like my hips look weird or if it makes make my legs look longer than they already are you know <laughs> stuff like that i think that's like the main the main thing that i pay attention to when, when buying new stuff or searching for new stuff Are you looking uh, into any collaborations yourself in terms of fashion, like jewelry or maybe uh, some clothing collaboration? We're talking to to some people. We're 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 looking for 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 stuff to do. Like it's definitely something that we're we're into doing. Like me and the team, it's something that I always loved. And like I went to fashion school for for a semester before I went to music school. Oh. So it, it was always something that I that I wanted to do, like to to design stuff and with, with people and everything. Like my mom was a fashion designer herself, and oh. I grew up like helping her to to do the drawings and everything and, and, and cut and and whatever. Um, and it's 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 something that I always had like the wheel to do, and it's definitely in the plans for 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 the the season it's not something that's concrete at the moment we don't have anything like ready and coming out but we're definitely working towards doing stuff for sure and already like grabbing references and and whatever nice to, to try to create something maybe like a high waist skirt to hide legs you know <laughs> <laughs> it, it needs to be a really long one for me <laughs> Of course, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, I think I would love to switch to the main topic, to your music. And maybe to music even like as an expression of culture and as an expression of um, international influence. Mm -hmm. Because the, the first thing, if I'm, I'm being honest, the first time that I've recognized you was on my For You page on TikTok. This was the first mm -hmm. time I've seen you. And a lot of people. <laughs> I think you get this feedback a lot. I can only For most imagine. of the people actually that follow me. Like before that, I had like a, a much smaller group of fans and people that followed me it was like my main outbreak to the scene i think yeah okay okay maybe maybe we stick to that because that was another question that i wanted to to, to pull anyways because social media especially tiktok tiktok of course it surely had a huge impact on your popularity and reach in the past mm -hmm. did it ever have uh, like an influence on your creative process so something in the direction of stopping a song because it would not work well on social media or producing something that would work very well on social media is there Not in the music side, on the content side, though, probably like the way we think about um, the rhythm of the videos, like the rate where the information is being passed on those videos, the length, um, where are we posting like different styles of content? Like, are we if, if we want to do longer content, where should we? Should we post it at? Should we post it at Instagram? Should we post it at mm -hmm. at YouTube instead? If we're going to do YouTube, how should we format the content? Like how how's how does the platform work nowadays? Like I think every every change to a platform of content makes a little bit of a change to 
to the creation of the content it's being made of it's mm-hmm. been it's been made on like for example when youtube started having ads it changed the way people made the videos and the way they distributed mm-hmm. the information like uh, right why, yeah. Uh, yeah and the and i think it it made the same it had the same impact in my content creation um and and the way we think about the content that we put out and and everything like sometimes the aesthetic of of the content as well not much because like we we grab mostly the references from old school stuff mm-hmm. we're very like retroistic in 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 that sense but i think that's something that's that that people have been doing like recently as well a lot so it could be seen as a as as a change that that came with social media because uh, i i see that a lot of the younger generations are consuming 70s 80s music and tv shows and whatever because of the internet and because of like how sometimes those things go viral on 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 those platforms like sometimes a song from from an 80s artist will will come up mm-hmm. as a trend or whatever and people will start listening to that thing again and again and again like for example what happened to to dreams by fleetwood mac last year and and, and the year before or or like the the um, the stranger things theme song if i make a deal with god blah, 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 yeah. that thing like also and a lot of other stuff like i saw earth wind and fire tunes popping up on on my for you page or, or stuff like that and uh it shapes the way the way we the way we consume and the way if it shapes the way we consume it will shape the way we the way we like create content as well but on the music side not at all like i i never changed the song because of the way it would perform on 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 social media or whatever i think mostly because i don't consume like music content on those platforms like i not even like on youtube that much like i like to dig for music it, it digging for music like i like to stop my day and like search for new music or like search for an album and like really sit down and listen to it while like drinking a, a tea or something like the chilling like a chill moment of really listening to music i i'm i, I mostly consume content like that on on social media when it comes to like other types of information like uh, whether it be like pop culture stuff like i was watching like last week a video about like how the desert eagle became like a pop icon like of a, a gun oh okay. yeah <laughs> okay but it's kind of a shit gun because it's too heavy and it's like yeah. has too much recoil and it, it just doesn't work in a practical way but it just became like this this pop culture icon visually and it's on every movie and every video game and every whatever those are like the types of content that i watch on social media and on youtube and on tiktok and whatever like random content about information about whatever very and like, niche knowledge also <laughs> yeah and 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 that like sometimes it it influences my content creation more than than my music like it, it influences my music as well but like that's that's the thing like i think those things have more power over my content because it's still like content for the sake of being content music is not like content for the sake of being content for the sake of being like uh entertainment only you know like obviously that's education like information is education and also like video making is is an art form as well but my art form of like choice and and stuff is music so i i, I don't like shape my 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 expression of 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 life experience in like a a shaped way for like thinking about like the way it will perform commercially like or or in social media or whatever yeah very nice I, do, i do i just don't i just don't think it works like in in the creative process 
Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't, I cannot like do it like physically. Like it won't. This, <laughs> if I try to like create, like what would be a core progression that would sound yeah. good on, like you know, just. <laughs> yeah. Also, because those algorithms are really random. Like you don't, you don't really know what will perform and what will not perform. No. Like the video that blew up my career basically was not planned at all. It was a video from November. We posted it in like the end of January. We we had already posted it on Instagram. Yeah. Didn't do much. <laughs> Didn't do much. We posted on TikTok. Boom. Blew up. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Like if it if it was like something thought out to be viral because of blah blah blah. And there, don't get me wrong, there are people that can think about something to go viral and really craft something that really goes viral. Yeah. It was not the case. Like, because if it was, it would probably have gone viral on Instagram in yeah. November. It was yeah. just like algorithm and luck and I don't know what else. I don't think I'll ever be able to explain what else. Yeah. But yeah. The vibe. I think also the vibe that you give off with your videos. Mm -hmm. So this is also one thing that I would really want to dig into. Um, the vibe. <laughs> so <laughs> for instance, the first video I've watched, maybe we talk even about the same video that you just mentioned. Um, I recognize right away that your DJ sets, they're very like performative and there's so much gesture happening in a way that it almost like becomes dancey or ritualistic in a way. Um, do you love to dance yourself? Yes. Uh, looks like. A, a lot. Um, I, I went to to dance academies and dance competitions when I was younger also. I I, I used to to be a b-boy and, and, and a freestyle hip-hop dancer. It was not a good one, but that's what I <laughs> I, I, lo I love to do it. And I loved going to the to the championships and to the battles and everything. And it was just like an overall community sense to it like a big um shared vibe between everybody that was involved in those in those spaces and fueled by music like you would go to a battle mm -hmm. a dj would play a, a random beat that he chose or she chose and the dancers would freestyle on top of a beat they never heard before they would have to like wrap their heads around what that music was about sonically like in in a short amount of time so they can show the the the, the musical elements of that tune with the movements they would they were making if they did a cool movement following a cool little sound that the song had yeah. everybody would cheer for it and that would be like a factor for you winning the battle or everything and just like that having that experience in like my growing up years just shaped me in a way where I loved to show music to my dance buddies. Like, yo, check this song out. This has like this little noise that you can use like on a battle or something. And and just like trying to, to show songs that had little elements, little cool elements and trying to translate them visually to, to my friends, not only my dance friends, But my my friends outside of dance culture, like my my buddies from school or whatever, uh, like just the passion of showing music to people and trying to like really make sure that they understood the music by showing them visually and like getting a reaction from them. Like if I were to show you a tune and I showed you like a little a little keyboard that comes on and they're like, -do 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 -do. and I get like, ah, you, you go like, ah, then I'm sure. <laughs> If if you do that, I'm sure that you understood that mm -hmm. little fragment of the song and its function for the song. Now. So it's it's more about that. And like when I started DJing, when I learned how to DJ, I would like sometimes have this like because every DJ has this little moments of interaction with their crowd, whether it would be like a more introspective DJ, like having one look with somebody in the crowd just like a quick look or like a quick nod or whatever. That's a little interaction. When I was starting, when I, when I acknowledged that somebody was really paying attention to the set that I was playing, I would instantly go to like showing music visually dead like mode, you know? 
So I would like start interacting with that people and be like, yo, yo, check the next part of the song. Like, <laughs> you know, check this next part. It's going to be this little element coming in. See? Here. There. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like those interactions started to get like more frequent and people started liking them. And I started having like moments where I would have to interact with multiple, multiple people at the same time. Of course. Sometimes a group of friends. Sometimes like 20 people that aren't in the front row really engaged with the set. So I started to get a little bit more open with the movements so more people can see it at the same time. But it's still like an interaction thing about like showing parts of a song to somebody just because I really want to show them the song. Also, like it comes from like showing different music or showing new music or showing songs that people don't know yet too much about like if it's a song that i played 120 times i will not feel like really excited about showing you visually that thing again because Mm -hmm. you already saw it i won't even play it like after a while like i'm already stopping to play a bunch of the tunes that went viral with the videos because like I want to show new music to people. I don't want to show them the the same old songs that they already know and whatever. And uh, yeah, so I want to show new tracks that I recently found and that you need to pay attention to because you you get little noises as well. You you you'll love it. It's 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 about that, you know. Like I think that's that's what it's all about. Absolutely, like the vibe part. It's like you you have this hybrid of um, dancer and conductor towards your audience. And I really love this. I really love mm-hmm. this this energy that you're transporting there. Would you say or um, do you think that your drive to dance influences your taste in music and your own style? And if so, how does it translate to your understanding of instruments, maybe? I think my drive to dance and my 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 experience with dance culture shaped a little bit of my taste, but more towards like, for example, um, there are certain subgenres of hip hop instrumentals that are like battle made. They're made mm-hmm. for battling. They have those noises on purpose, like those little moments on purpose. So people can like actually do something with it while yeah. dancing. And those beats have like a different aesthetic, not only arrangement wise, but sound design wise. Sometimes it's like elements that really stand out of the beat that are doing like those little noises. Or sometimes it's like little samples or like a little that will come up on a song or like a little, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I always like loved when I heard that in in, in tunes, like when I got into fidget house and like some of the like 2010 2011 i got into that really later like i i i acknowledged that in 2016 probably or 15 but that was the time that i was listening to the 2010 2011 records and they're full and full and full of those little textures and little noises and little not with the intention of being like a danceable element sometimes like obviously i've done stuff in my tunes to be like a like a danceable element not thinking about me performing on stage to be honest like thinking about dancing for dancing mm-hmm. for for crowd dancing for club dancing but like uh i just loved the like the overall sonic texture of having like miscellaneous stuff on the tunes. I think that's where like the dance music of, of the hip hop battles shaped my, my taste more and like my music more maybe like on those little textural element, random esque miscellaneous mm-hmm. type of, of approach to it. Did you watch the get down? I didn't watch it like the whole thing. I okay. watched a, a bit of it while I was still dancing before mm-hmm. I went to fashion college. Mm-hmm. I watched a bit. My like 
the, the crew members and everybody was watching it. And uh, the soundtrack is super fire. Like I, I listened to the whole soundtrack after, even without watching the whole series, because, because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's no. fire. Just thought about it because, um, like this whole B-Boy style that you described, really, mm -hmm. really reminded me of that. Um, besides Brazil, um, so now there's a question coming. Besides Brazil, where did you have your own best partying experience? Oh, a bunch of places. Like I, I wouldn't be able to like select one and say like this was my favorite. I had a great, great time in Barcelona. I had a great time in in Italy, in in close to Torino when when I played there. Um, I had a great time in New York as well. New York was amazing. I had a great time in London. A bunch of places, man. Like the world is too big and so different and so peculiar in, in each place. Like, and for me, a partying experience, it shapes like it's, it's shaped by more than just like the club or the party itself. It's about like the whole day sometimes. Like when I, when I, when I have a day of partying, I would probably like wake up, grab a beer and start the day by like, partying with the guys like listening to music and going around and eating something and listening to music on the street and whatever until the point where we reach the club but we're partying yeah. during this like this whole this whole like period so yeah. like each place had its its peculiar things that really like left a mark on me i think i, I wouldn't be able to like get my favorite out of these Yeah. But probably these were like the the biggest contenders to, to the top spot. New York, um, Italy as a whole, actually. Italy as a whole. Italy is amazing. And do you do a difference between um which like which club you're or which clubs you just mentioned most favorably play and which you attend like as a guest? Is there a difference or is it the same? Internationally. It's more of the same. In okay. Brazil, is a little different. Okay. Like in the in the moment, like in the in the current moment in Brazil, I I like in the U.S. I feel like the same, a little bit of the same vibe of Brazil, because in the U.S. and in Brazil, like in not in South America as a whole, just on those two countries, um, I, I play like a mix of events. I play on the more underground side of things, like on the more clubby, the more like the foundation parties, like like the stuff that really moves the, the culture and everything. Like yeah. I play in, in those places a bit and I play a bit in the more commercial side of things, like the more commercial festivals, the mainstream lineups with like the mainstream acts and stuff. Um, And in Brazil, it's the same thing as as in the U.S. Like I play, I play those those two spaces as well. Mm -hmm. In Europe and in in the rest of the world, in South America and in Europe, I don't play like in, too much in in those mainstream spaces that much. Like even more because I think like the mainstream in Europe. Sound wise is a little bit more underground than the mainstream in in Brazil and in North America. Like I think the mainstream in Europe sounds less poppy than the mainstream in in in, in Brazil and in the U.S. Like you know, yeah. yeah. Like if, if we even if we would go into the more niche spaces, like we have commercial techno, for example. The North American commercial techno sounds a little bit more poppy than mm -hmm. the European commercial techno. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and the overall aesthetic of the scene is a little bit um more uh, has its own look more in the in, in, in Europe and in those spaces. So it's it's more blended in. Like it's not that much of a difference of spaces that I would go in in mm -hmm. Europe and in the rest of the world and in South America as well because because of the same factor like if if you would go to to 
to Chile, to the, the, the bigger artists in Chile are like the same artists that are playing like Circo Loco in, mm. in whatever place in Europe you're going to, like, you know, yeah. uh, and, and they are like the big mainstream act in, in Chile or whatever, like the, yeah. the taste is, is less poppy, you know, even okay. though they're, they're mainstream. And uh, in those spaces, I would totally attend the same parties that I play in. And that's kind of a thing sometimes. Because if I attend on those more niche spaces in Brazil, I can get like more of a, a club going experience. Like I can have a moment where I can like just close my eyes and like trip out. In, in in tunes or or whatever and just like dance myself off or like have like a real club experience mm -hmm. in those more like mainstream spaces or like in those countries where i would attend the same parties that i'm playing in it's kind of hard to have like a club going moment like a, a club goer moment you know like Every every minute I will have somebody talking to me, whether if it's fans, whether if it's like somebody else from the scene, whether if it's um, people that are organizing the event or whatever. So I think that's why in Brazil also I'm trying to like go towards more niche spaces more and more and more and more because yeah. those are like the only spaces in Brazil where I can where I, where I will be able to to have like a a club experience of like closing my eyes and paying attention to music in a more introspective kind of way, you know, like mm -hmm. the more personal, intimate kind of way. Now we've talked a lot about Brazil and Brazilian music culture, also like international. How important is it for you personally to balance the influence of your Brazilian musical heritage and international sound and international influence? Very important. How do you do it? <laughs> rhythms is a, is a way of doing it because brazilian music has very specific rhythm patterns for for a lot of the genres that we have like from samba to new school brazilian funk all of those rhythms have really specific rhythm patterns in the drums or in the the rhythmic um elements like The, the guitars have really distinct rhythm patterns, the keyboards, even the groove of vocal vocal melodies and stuff. It's really specific. Samba, for example, is in two by four. Mm -hmm. Most Western music of the world is in four by four no. everywhere. <laughs> and, and like having having that specific emphasis on a different on a different part of the 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 bar is is it's it it, it has a, a sound identity to it and i kind of think about like the importance of it kind of the same way as as i see architecture like a lot of places you, you go nowadays everything just looks like a modern building designed by a robot mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. Back in the day, you used to have like these really peculiar nuances of architecture everywhere. Like you could picture a German house from a Brazilian house just by looking at it and being like, oh, the way they shape the, the walls and the way they shape the ceiling and the materials they're using totally are, are totally different and have its own their own identity. Mm -hmm. Like you could totally picture western from eastern stuff visually because of that and like with music i think if 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 we don't do the same thing like of like trying to keep those roots trying to keep those really specific things that each place has about its own music we'll end up like having only music music you know yeah. like music music yeah you know like like functional music that doesn't have like a, a cultural humanitarian not humanitarian but like um you know like a, yeah. a social identity to it like 
of, of, of where it came from. And mm-hmm. I think that's just like a, such a beautiful part of, of, of art in general, like to, to let go by, like, to, and to let fade away because of corporate reasons. Like obviously doing uh, a modern minimalistic style building is more commercially viable. It will fit more places because it's not niched to a certain whatever, you know, like uh, theoretically. At least by now. at, At least by now. Yeah. But like the thought process of, of making it, patronized i don't know if that's the mm. word yeah. but like the, the the thought process of making it that way of making it have like a pattern is to make it more viable in in more spaces and to more yeah. people but what, at the cost of like losing its like its soul its beauty yeah. like the the visual beauty the aesthetic beauty of it i don't think it's worth it you know like like brazilian music without brazil in it is just music music (laughs) it loses a lot of its beauty like if you take samba and put it in four by four it it doesn't groove well anymore it just like (laughs) it just sounds dull and squarey and like hard just doesn't doesn't have its 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 swing its nuance and its its sexiness and and whatever and it loses so much. Like there is a, a fun fact about Garota de Ipanema, which is like the one of the most famous Brazilian songs ever, where like the original tune, not the original original, because the original original is not even recorded by by Vinicius or or Tom Jobim or or those guys. It's it's, it's recorded by another artist that I forgot the name, but like the original. Vinicius version, the original Tom Jobim version, is in in D minor, I think. It's in D, okay. the key of the song. Yeah. And I think, like the the patronized world version, is in F, I think. Okay. And it it omits some of the melodies uh-huh. from the original one. Some of the chords are omitted or voiced differently for like more of a functional harmony and like an easier harmony and that like modified more broad version is actually the version in a lot of jazz books like and it's like the standard version nowadays and it's not like the original version the original version just sounds more beautiful to whoever is listening to it you know like it loses a bit of its soul if you try to patronize it too much yeah. So I, I think like trying to bring those those elements into into the music is is really important. I try to do it rhythmically. I try to do it like sonically, whether if if it's like trying to match the mixing aesthetic and the texture of the like the era or whatever, like trying to make the reverb sound really kind of close to a reverb that they would use at the time or make the percussion have a an accent or an emphasis on like the second time instead of like the fourth instead mm-hmm. of like the third or, or whatever to bring a bit of the two by four groove and, and like into the four four house groove because house is in four four but trying to like mix in a bit of the of the two by four is already going to make it groove differently and and have its own like uniqueness to it and its own little beauty or whether if it's chord progressions, like there's this this tune by, because because Brazilian music in in bossa nova, and in, in samba, and in, in, in forró or or axé or all of the Brazilian genres, they have like really specific chord progressions and intervals that people use in them all the time, and and uh, and cadences and everything. Like there's this. There's this Stevie Wonder tune called "You Are the Sunshine of My Life," mm-hmm. and the harmonies. I I bet my life that they are totally inspired by, by Brazilian music, because like the chord progressions and like this the sequence that he plays the chords, like the cadences and everything, it sounds totally Brazilian. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it, he, he probably tried to give a little bit of that flavor and it shows. So trying to bring a little bit of that into my music as well is something that that's always going to be like on yeah. the deck. Like it's something that I want to do forever because nice. I think it's really important. I want to throw in two little thoughts for you. You don't have to comment on it, but um, as you talked about architecture, you sure have a lot of Oscar Niemeyer architecture in in Brazil. Yes, we have a whole city by him. Yeah, Brasilia, the the city of Brasilia, which is like the capital of the the country, is entirely made, like designed by him. It's shaped like an airplane. And like the neighborhoods are called like Wing A or Wing B, you know? wing c and then it's 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 a big plane it's beautiful he's he's amazing he's amazing absolutely and another thought i wanted to throw in because you've mentioned also the like uh four four or the two four um there is a moment when i always cringe if i'm in a bigger german crowd with elder people especially it's four four And they, they, I don't know how they do it, but they manage to do every song. <laughs> and I sit there, I think, oh my God. <laughs> That's <laughs> just took all I don't know what's words. worse. If it's like this, when it's supposed to be like half of the claps, like there's not supposed to be one in, in between. <laughs> Or when they clap on the, the down, like on the, on the upbeat, And like they changed like the whole, like for example, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, you know, like that's like the worst probably. Like yeah, when they switch, the, the it's supposed to be like in the two and in the four, and they switch it to the one and the three, and like it's it's just like it makes me want to rip my chest apart and like ah, absolutely, it's just so like it's torture. That reminded me also of like a fun story that that one of my teachers told me uh, at, at at music school about the infamous Getz Gilberto album of mm-hmm. Stan Getz and Jean Gilberto um, playing a, 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 all of the Bossa classics, Bossa Nova classics. And the, all of the tunes are written in two by four. Mm-hmm. Stan Getz is a horn player from the US. He's a jazz player. He, he's used to playing stuff in four by four, yeah. not two by four. Jean Gilberto didn't speak English. Don Jobim did. When they were in the sessions recording the songs, uh, that's that's also the story why I, I, I think so. Like I saw stuff already about it, but I think that's the story about why Astrid Gilberto recorded this, the, the English versions of those songs. Because hmm. okay. she spoke English and Jean Gilberto didn't know how to speak English. So they did the Sinatra versions and the Ostrid versions, like with the female voice and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, the songs were written in, in two by four. And Tom Jabin w- w- was translating between Gilberto and Getz. So yeah. they could like record and do the, the session and everything. And Gilberto would like start to play the guitar and sing in two by four. Yeah. And Getz would start to like improvise and do the melodies and the soloing in four by four okay. and John Gilberto would get like pissed off to like and tell Tom to be like tell this guy he's he cannot play like he's he's not nailing it he's just like screwing it up and putting the emphasis on the wrong longer on the wrong part this is not grooving it's mm-hmm. getting dull and, and, and square like I don't know what to do <laughs> I don't know how to explain to the guy where he should emphasize it and Tom would go like Mr. Getz, can you please um uh, just like <laughs> you get pissed off and Tom was like trying to to peacefully like conduct the situation, you know, and it just went on until they, they recorded the whole album. And and, and my, my teacher told me like there's a bunch of the tones on, on the album that are recorded in that wrong manner. Mm-hmm. And, like that's the way they went with and the album won like the best jazz album. Yeah. Grammy. So Who knows? Sometimes a little bit off is a little bit better even. <laughs> yeah, a little bit better even. Okay. More I unexpected, have... definitely. Yeah, you know? yeah. Definitely absolutely. more unex- unexpected. I have one last question for you. Um, we talked about, I think, all the obvious, most obvious topics right now. And I wanted to talk about one last 
it's masculinity actually mm -hmm. because i'm of course i analyzed your social media presence a little bit and i've realized that approximately 75% of your followers on instagram are male and the majority is between 18 and 35 years old so mm -hmm. uh, arguably this would be like your target group and do you think that male members of these younger generations which we are part of as well um are they searching for maybe new role models who represent something like a new masculinity maybe are you maybe even such a role model i don't think like people are actively searching for a role model that has those characteristics but society has evolved already to see the bad part like the toxic part of it and people moved on with the idea and now like it's just more of a it's it's more of an open concept and it's like it, it works in a different way that it used to work and that resonates to people and they will relate to people that are more aligned with the idea that they now have about about masculinity or or whatever it is like you know i think i think it's just like more uh a way that we can picture the evolution of the, the idea of masculinity in society than like people actively searching for a role model to follow. Yeah. Like I think also, I think idolizing has become less frequent, like really idolizing standing for, yeah. for somebody, you know, that's yeah. a little bit less frequent. I think people are like starting to, to move on with that idea a little bit more too. And I think it's healthy. And with that, we conclude our first edition of the Electronic Beats Conversation Series. This Electronic Beats Conversation was produced by Telecom, Electronic Beats, and ACB Stories. Next Thursday, we'll be back with a new episode of the week with my co-host, Kika Lomo. Smash that subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Take care and remember to stop scrolling. Stop scrolling.